Hallelujah. Say this with me to morning. Today I will hear God's word preached and faith will come alive in my heart. I will speak and declare with all boldness his truth concerning my life, my purpose, and my destiny in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of John in the first chapter. And this morning, uh, we're just going to take a little trip. And the message this morning, the title of this message is, What's the Big Deal? What's the big deal? What's the big deal with going to church? Why do I need to hear the Word preached? What's the big deal? Why is everybody so intense? And this morning, I want you to see it is a big deal. And uh, we're going to find out what the big deal is at the end. But today, we're just thinking about this. And I just was meditating on this and going over it and really moving forward. The more and more as I look around our world today, everything that's happening, there's nothing that declares anything more to us about how important God's Word is in our life than just watching what's happening in our world today. Amen. I saw the dumbest press conference the other day, uh, our, our attorney general came to California and just talking about illegal immigration. And then I watched our governor and our, our state attorney general get up and announce that it was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And uh, defending illegal, it, the, the term illegal, just about that. So I'm thinking about that. If, nothing, if they're not illegal, then nothing else can be illegal. So you can't pull, can't give me a speeding ticket, you can't do anything else, so, but it's just crazy. So what's the big deal? Because the big deal is that God's Word is the truth, amen? And we're having truth redefined on so many different levels today. That's just one example. So we have to be a people who know the truth. The Bible says in the last day that strong delusion would come. Or, 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 or strong deception would come. So John chapter 1, we want to just read a few verses at the beginning here, and then uh, also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as we dive into this this morning. John, the Gospel of John, and the first chapter, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and all things were made through Him, and without Him... Nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of all men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness to the light that all all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9, this was, that was the true light which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was the light of the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Verse 12, but as many as receive him, to them he gave the right or the power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And verse 14, and the word became, somebody say became. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, <coughs> excuse me, and 
truth. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and beginning in verse 17. And it reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Somebody say become. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though we were pleading through Christ. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become. Somebody say become. The righteousness of God in him. Father, we thank you in these next few moments. Your word will take root in our hearts. We declare today that our hearts are the good ground that your word can be planted into. And we receive your word by faith this morning. We thank you that everything it contains comes to life in us. In Jesus' name, somebody said. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline. See, everything in the kingdom of God is subject to change. See, Jesus, look at the next slide, please. Jesus became, the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. Everything in the kingdom of God is connected to change. What it becomes before and after. Jesus said it like this. You have heard it said on the Sermon on the Mountain, but I say to you, it was that way, now it's this way. You must be born again, he said. Refers to a new creature, a new man, the renewal, a renewed mind. Not by conforming, but by being completely transformed. Not just to mingle the old with the new. And so much of that's what's happening in Christianity today. We're just adding Jesus a little bit of new to the old. Jesus didn't come to add something new to the old. He came to completely transform our lives. Would you agree? See, John reveals to us in the opening comments as we read in this gospel that the purpose of the Word of God has always been to become. In the beginning, the Word became all things created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was God. God spoke His Word, and everything the Word declared, it became what the Word said. Are you with me? In the beginning, the Word became all things created, God said, and it became. In verse 12, He says that we have been given the power to become sons of God. In verse 14, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what this is, this is transformational change, or the Word tells us be transformed. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. This is transformational change in its highest form. It's God's heart for us. Look at the next one. Look at, we talked about it, intentional transformation, something done on purpose. God's will for our life is that transformation would come to our life. The purpose of God for our lives is not merely improvement. Amen. Go to the next one if you would, guys. His purpose is not merely improvement. We've all seen this about the little caterpillar. He hangs up there. He goes into cocoon. After a season in the cocoon, he begins to come out. It goes from a caterpillar all the way to a butterfly. How many know that's called metamorphosis? And that's where we get the word transformation. If you look up the, the Greek word in your Bible for transformed, it means to be metamorphed. It means to morph. It means to transition, to change, to go from one state to a completely transformed state. That's what it means to be born again. 
It doesn't mean to become a caterpillar with, with just believing that you're a butterfly. It means that you go through the process of transformation. Old things pass away. All things become what? New in Christ. So a complete transformation from the old to the new. It is a resurrection that follows the death of the old man being planted into the soil of his kingdom and then raised in newness of life after the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ with him being the first fruit, the firstborn from the dead. So it's so important. I had other scriptures, but Revelation 1 verse 5 says, Christ appeared the firstborn from the dead. He was the first and we follow that pattern. Are you with me? Same thing in uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, Colossians 1 and verse 15 and verse 18, Jesus being the first fruit and the firstborn from the dead, meaning that you and I are supposed to be raised up from the dead as well. We're to live in the power of resurrection. Amen? Say this with me. Everything is subject to change. We need to live by that. Everything is subject to change. But yet we fight so hard to keep things the same. And most of what we're fighting for is to hold on to the pain and the misery and the non-productive things in our lives. People don't want to change. I don't want to give up my old life. Well, what was so productive about it? Well, nothing. I'm just very familiar with it. Amen. It's comfortable. Well, we, how many know God has something better? Amen. Say it again. Everything is subject to change. Look at the inside of your outline. Now, I'm sorry, but there can be no life in Christ without death. And part of what we've done in the church is, is we preached, in essence, a false gospel. Because we've said all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No, you have to die. Believing is one thing. The devils believe. Amen. The devil even goes to church. Amen. And Jesus ran into demons manifesting in church. I've been in some of those services. Moving right along. That's right. But there can be no new without the passing of the old. Jesus knew that our redemption could only come on the other side of his death. Jesus came to die. Not just to live, but he came to die. That's what he said. For this reason, for this purpose, I came for. He knew that our redemption was on the other side of his death. He knew he had to die. Think about it. He knew the power of resurrection is newness of life. That's the power of resurrection for you and I is newness of life. We're getting ready to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. We've called it Easter over the years. It's just a term, but it's the celebration Sunday. We have church on Sunday because Sunday is the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised. This is the first day of the week. He was raised on the first day of the week. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And so it's Resurrection Sunday that is showing up, even though we call it Easter. But resurrection declares newness of life or victory over death. Are you with me? Or I have to maybe put it another way. Victory through death. Wow. We don't think about that a lot. But think about it. If he had to die to purchase it, we must die to receive it. Now, how many know your old man doesn't like to die? I like what Paul Washman said. He said there, or David Platt said this, Jesus came to live the life we could not leave, live and to die the death we deserve to die. 
Every, every one of us is guilty, was born with a fallen nature, a sin nature. You can't help it. How come little kids act? I mean, they start out, they're so sweet. They come out, of, out they're born, and they're laying there. We wash them, we wrap them all up, and then, and they're so cute. And oh, that's such just a sweet little baby. Look at that. And before long, they just start manifesting this ugly side. You go, where did that come from? And you find yourself in a battle and a conflict with this little creature that's trying to take over your world. Why? Because they have a fallen nature and they have a will that wants to express itself and wants to dominate its way and wants to be in control of its own life and doesn't want to die, doesn't want to give up. That's why they lay on the ground and throw fits and go into demonic tantrums. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Why? Because that's in there. And so we have that in us, but we want to have new life without crucifying that old man. See, Jesus, if he had to die to purchase our death, we have to die to receive it. We cannot live out a watered-down, death-free life of religious rhetoric. You hear that this morning. We cannot live out a watered-down, death-free life of religious rhetoric and expect to be accepted by Him into His kingdom when He Himself had to die to make a way for us. Jesus had to die. He had to go to the cross. He had to give His life to make a way for you and I to be redeemed. That's the power of death and resurrection. Jesus came so that we could experience the power because he took death for us. He lived the life we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve so that we could experience the life on the other side of resurrection. Can you say amen? Think about it. You and I are in a life and death struggle or battle. Jesus came that we might have life. Satan came Look at this. Satan came to destroy. The next slide says, guy, the next slide is, uh, uh, no, it should be one more before that, or did I get it wrong? John 10, 10. Go the one after that. There it is. We'll come back to Irwin McManus. I'll have you go backwards. Thank you, guys. I had them switched around. John 10, 10 says this. The thief does not come except what? To steal, kill, and what? What did Jesus say? I have come what? They might have what? Life and have it what? More abundantly. So the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. You are in a life and death struggle. The devil knows the power of resurrection life. He doesn't want you to experience. Go back to Erwin McManus. Go back to the previous one. Jesus' death wasn't to free us from dying, but to free us from the fear of death. Jesus came to liberate us so that we could die up front and then live. I love that. Come on, just die up front. People ask Billy Graham, are you afraid of dying? He says, no, I look forward to it. Because I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. And, and my wife is there. And my friends are there. And I'm looking forward to a reunion. Death is not an end. It's a promotion and a celebration. So when you die up front, you lose the fear. Hebrews 2.14. Jesus came to deliver those who all their lifetime were subject to the fear of death. Amen? So I love that, that we could die up front and then live. Jesus wants to take us to places where only dead men and women can go. 
Do you understand that? There's places when, when you're no longer afraid to die, you will go places where people will not go. You will do the things that people will not do because you know you've already been set free. Years ago, there was a missionary who went to the island and, and there were some cannibals there and, and, and just a, a very remote area. And they said, if you go there, you will die. And that missionary said, we died before we came. We already made the choice that we're dead in Christ. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, yet nevertheless I live. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of what? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we just choose to die up front. The only hang up is that we have to trust Jesus long enough to die. <laughs> <laughs> and allow him to raise us to new life in himself to escape the death and destruction that Satan tries to accomplish in our life. Think about that. And, and, and even in this area, there is so much fear. People do almost everything out of fear. If you're going to do something, do it out of faith. If you're going to have security on your home, do it by faith. Not by fear because of the last news report. When we're responding to fear, then you're afraid of dying and you are not free. Fear is a restrainer and a constrictor. When you're afraid of being around people who are sick, you need, wait a minute, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm supposed to have authority over all power of the enemy, over all sickness and disease, to be able to cure diseases, but we're afraid to be around anybody who coughs. We're more afraid of microorganisms than anything else in life. We're washing our hands. We're trying to be a germ-free nation, and we're sicker than we've ever been. Are we doing all right? Because fear gives access to the enemy. Faith slams the door in his faith. Hallelujah. So people say, Pastor, what's the big deal? Well, it's either the Word of God is true, or I'm going to live by it, or I'm going to live being overcome by an adversary who is working against your life and my life. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. I'm still working on the message from a few weeks ago that there should be no more uh, 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 soft targets. The church is not supposed to be a soft target. Amen. For the enemy. We've thought about that with shootings and the violence and the crime that come in. But we've become too soft of a target for the enemy. It's time for us to rise up and defend ourselves. We have the armor of God. We have weapons of warfare. We have the word of God. Can somebody say amen? We're able to quench all of his attacks and all of his fiery darts. Think about this morning. Look at this. Every attack in your life comes for the sake of of the life contained in the seed of God's Word. John 12, 24. Put the next one up, guy. John 12, 24 says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces what? Much grain. So what happens? What happens on the other side of death? What did Jesus say? That if it doesn't die, if that seed just holds on to it, if I preserve it and just hold on to it, it doesn't produce anything. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it produces much grain. So there's that little bean seed there, and it came in the ground, and, and it was down the ground. But now it is dying away. It goes through the process of germination, and out of it it goes through death, and then resurrection life begins to take place. And the life that's on the inside of it begins to come forth in multiplied quantity 
Every time God produces life, that's why Jesus said that if it dies, it brings forth much grain, not just one more, but increase. Multiplication is on the other side of resurrection. Can you shout amen? Think about this morning. The devil is the number one, his number one goal and mission is to abort the life of the word before it can come to full term. He wants to stop that process anywhere along the line. He wants to abort the process of that new life. And so he comes, Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4 talks about the sower sowing the word. And it says that if he comes immediately, whenever the word is sown, the devil comes immediately to steal the word that is sown in your heart. He didn't come, he, the devil does not care. We, our growth track program is important. We want everybody to go through it. We want you to become a member of the church. We want you to find expression for your gifts and talents and the abilities that God placed inside of you. We want you to find value and increase in the body of Christ. But just being a member of a church isn't what he cares about. He could care less if you become a member of Solid Rock Faith Center or any other church. What he cares about, if that God sees of God's word ever gets in your life and it produces the harvest that it contains, it's going to do destruction to his kingdom and he doesn't want God's word operating in any way in your life. He's happy for you to come and hear sermons. He's happy for you just to stay dead, adding a little bit of word to an old dead life. He doesn't care if you pray prayer, a powerless prayer. He doesn't care about anything. The only thing he's concerned about is the word of God getting into your heart and bringing forth the harvest that it contains. And so he fights against that with everything that he has. See, if he cannot stop the life and the word from entering the womb of your spirit, he will try to kill it prematurely. Go with me to Matthew chapter 2. What happened to Jesus? The, the devil couldn't stop his from being birthed. So what did he do? He worked against trying to get Jesus killed. Matthew 2 and verse uh, 16, I'm, I'm not going to read all the way through 13, but they found out the Lord warns Jesus in verse 13, the, the angel warns Joseph and them said, get up because the child is in danger. And so they flee to Egypt in verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and sent forth to put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its district from two years and older according to the time which he had determined from the wise men, then it was then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Raymond, lamentation and weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they were no more. What happened? God prophesied that the Messiah would be born and he would be born in Bethlehem and Herod afraid of the word coming to pass and being motivated by the devil. The devil trying to kill the word. It was the word that became flesh. The attack is always against the word of God in your life. That's why it's so hard for you to read your Bible. That's why it's so hard for you to study your Bible. That's why there's a move today. Nobody wants to hear a message more than 20 minutes long. With too much, I don't want, oh, I have to think too much in church. Come on, you're, you're under an attack. Hey, man, we get, everybody's worried about Kim Jong Young, the Korean little guy and stuff. You need to rise up like Donald Trump, the president, and say, hey, dude, I got bigger weapons than you do, and mine work. The devil's sending threats. And attacking you just like, I'm always threatening you, always intimidating you, always trying to keep you in fear, and we cower down. No, you need to rise up with some boldness and some courage and declare your victory in Christ. Can you say amen?
Hallelujah. So think about it. His mission is to get you to doubt the word, to believe that you cannot conceive, to see yourself as barren and non-productive in the kingdom, as one who is unable to bring forth life and therefore needs to rely upon others Upon what others produce. You don't need to rely upon my job is to excite you and to get you motivated and get the word of God down on the inside of you so you can believe to see everything that God ordained for your life to come to pass. Can you say amen? It's not my job as your pastor to get every answer you need in your life. It's my job to point you to the word and get you so full of the word and cause you to have a hunger for the word that you say, I want to discover God for myself. I want his word working in my life. Amen? Hallelujah. See, his greatest fear is you become, becoming pregnant with the Word of God. So how does he keep you from becoming pregnant with the Word? The same way he kills natural life. He tries to abort it. Every child aborted in the womb is a destiny destroyed. Every child aborted in the womb. The same way. Come on, the devil is what? He's a liar. And so he tells you, you can't be productive. He wants you to give it up. He wants you to miscarry. He wants you to have that thing pass. He wants you to abort the truth of God's word out of your life. He wants you to believe that you are unfertile ground when you are the most fertile ground on planet earth. Your heart was created to receive the word and bring forth some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. Amen. God ordained increase over your life. But think about it. Every child aborted in the womb is a destiny destroyed. Amen. I'm so thankful for our little granddaughter, Baby Gray. I'm so thankful for Sean and Dana having a heart to adopt them. We've had so many families and people that we know over the years who have adopted children. And I'm thankful that those parents, even though they were having trouble with drugs or doing everything, I'm thankful that they carried those children to full term because that's a destiny that was not aborted. And when you see little Baby Gray and you see her running around and you see that amazing little personality and you see all the life and you see all the joy and you think, what? a loss if the devil would have won thank God there's a life that was not in a destiny that was not aborted think about that but what have we done the latest statistic in January of 2018 is that since 1973 we have aborted in this nation 60 million and 69,000 lives over 60 million 70,000 lives have been aborted just in America since 1973 that's a lot of destinies Every life is stamped with purpose in God and the devil knows it. Everything you were created to be is already inside of you. Quit trying to find an identity outside of yourself. Just be who you are. God created you just like you are. Quit trying to look to, to, to media. Quit trying to look to entertainer. Quit trying to look to musician. Everybody, I want to be like them. Be who God made you to be. He made you amazing. He made you unique. Be who God made you to be. He has greatness that He ordained on the inside of you that He wants to come out of you when you just be who He made you to be. 
You're stamped with this purpose. See, the devil, if he can't kill life in the womb, he will try to destroy it through lies and deception by sowing counterfeit seeds into the hearts of man. Matthew 13 says that the enemy came, that God sowed good seed, but the enemy comes and sows tares amongst the good seed. Why? Because he seeks to break your heart and crush your spirit through the pain of a counterfeit harvest. What does that mean? Too many times we're listening to the wrong words. All words are seeds. And the devil knows that and so he's a liar and he speaks lies into your life and people buy that lie and they begin to live by that lie and that lie gets down on the inside of him and then it produces heartache and pain. One of the most powerful testimonies is when Darwin Benjamin comes, and many of you have never heard his testimony, but he comes and talks about his life and, 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 and going through all the experiences that he had growing up and as a young black man and then giving himself to drugs and to run around. And then he had two little twin girls who were born, and one was born completely malformed with all of her internal organs on the outside of her body. And she lived but just a couple of days, and he held her in his arms. He had his hands in the incubator holding in her arm, and she died in his hand while he's in there holding her and he goes to the high schools and he tells these kids he says somebody lied to me it was a lie I believed the lie and it cost me the life of my daughter because the devil is a liar and there's a battle for life and death that's waged against you and he wants to break your heart through counterfeit harvest Look at this. The power of a seed to conceive and bring forth life. I, I looked this up. The cell. The cell is the smallest unit of life that can carry out life processes. The cell. The microorganism of cells is the smallest unit of life that can produce life. The cell of life, the miracle of life is found in the mystery of conception. In fact, I looked it up and, and, and in this, and I don't have time to read the whole thing to you this morning, but this was just on uh, uh, a biology thing, just natural science. And uh, it, came, it was discovered, or the theory of, uh, of this came from German scientist Theodore Schwann, Mathis Matthias uh, Sheldon, and Rudolf Virchow. I'm saying his name correctly. But what they declared is all living organisms are composed of cells. They may be unicellular or multicellular. And then they said this, the cell is the basic unit of life. Just a cell, one cell is the basic unit of life. The cells arise from pre-existing cells. They are not derived from spontaneous generation. They don't just spontaneously show up. Spells, cells come from previous cell. The modern version of the cell theory includes the idea that every energy flow uh, that energy flow occurs within cells. Hereditary information, DNA, is passed on from one cell to the next cell. Cell basics are, are all living organisms in the kingdom of life are composed of and depend on cells to function normally. Or in other words, cells are the fundamental units of life. And if that is true, then life begins at conception. When two cells come together, they are two living entities. They are the foundation of life, and it is life being reproduced. Are you with me? 
And that's why the devil comes immediately to steal the word. Because in your womb, in your spiritual womb, you have a, 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 the body of Christ is always called female. And, and, the, and the ministry is always called masculine. And so when masculine and feminine come together, then there's a transfer of life in the receiving of life. So the faith that you have is on the feminine side. It, it is, if you would, it is like the female egg. And, and the word of God is the seed. And when faith and the word come together, life is initiated in your spirit. And the devil knows that, so he comes to steal it before, it can ever, before conception can ever take place. Are you getting this this morning? Oh, I pray you get this. Think about it. The male sperm and the female egg called together. They are cells, and we call it, I call it miraculous conception. A seed now planted in the womb of the female or man with womb. It's really what that means. Female, woman, man with womb, able to conceive seed and bring forth life. Wow. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia and told them that Christ was being fully formed in them. He said, oh, I'm praying for you until Christ is fully formed in you. That's what this is. When I go through death and through resurrection, the life of Christ is birthed on the inside of me. And we want to see that life grow up on the inside. The Bible says our outward man is perishing. We're working so hard to preserve the outside. What if we put half as much money and half as much effort into building our inner man? Glory to God. Are you guys all right? Amen. Look at this next one. Faith in the Word. See, look at this. This is what happened. Go to the next one, guys. This is what happened. The Word, conception takes place. Two cells come together. The male and female cells come together and life begins. Life begins. Come on, this isn't about anything sexual. This is about life. That's life. That's the beginning of life. Life happens, right? It's miraculous that two microscopic cells would come together. That's where you began right there. Every one of you in this room, that's your origin. That was your beginning. Two cells came together, each one of them with DNA and with chromosome and together. And that determined your identity. It determined everything about you. It determined your character. It was handed down to you. And God ordained that connection. And the two cells that came together were ordained to create you. Amen. Think about it. The seed of life is now nourished by the intake of the mother, the one who carries the life for good or for bad. The life she carries receives everything that she partakes of for good or bad. That little cord running around there, that little umbilical cord around that little life, everything the mother is ingesting, everything she's taking in is having an effect upon that life. It's being transmitted into that life. And in your spirit, everything you hear, everything you believe is affecting the life of God on the inside of you. In the same way the mother affects the life of the child, you spiritually affect the life of God that's on the inside of you. God doesn't want any malformed, malnourished, dysfunctional children. He wants children who are fully formed and full of His life. Can you say amen? Think about it. Birth defects can be caused by the intake of the mother. That's why prenatal care is so important. Every mom should understand, I carry life on the inside. 
Life is being formed in me. You need to say that too when you're thinking about your attitudes and your thought. Wait a minute. I carry life on the inside of me. The life of God dwells on the inside of me. And I need to protect that. See, it's important to avoid drugs, alcohol, certain foods, even attitudes that affect emotions. And I'm amazed at how Christians today, they don't care about anything that comes into their life. Well, it's a good place for an amen, but I'll move right along. We don't think it affects us anymore. But yet you see a young mom, and, and I'll even do this. Why? Listen, we, we even have natural laws. Our natural society understands just better than we do. You know, our little granddaughter Grace was taken away from her mom because when they tested her blood, when, that, when she went in to deliver that baby, they said, honey, you have drugs in your blood and you have lost your right. You have lost, you have given up your parental right because you have endangered the life of this child. So CPS comes in and child protection services. I believe we need a CPS in the body of Christ. We need to protect the life of God. We need preaching that protects the life of God that's on the inside of you. You are a carrier of life and God is forming his life on the inside of you and you need to protect that with everything you have. Can you say amen? It's valuable life. Think about it. So we need to avoid because all of it in turn affects a life being carried in the womb. If the work, it works exactly the same with the life you and I carry in the womb of our spirit. See, the stated purpose and intention of the enemy is to abort and kill the life of Christ that is in you. The enemy always fights the hardest when he knows God has something great in store for you. When you feel the attack of the enemy, the moment you begin to believe the word, the moment you get on fire for God, some of you go back, man, every time I get fired up for God, it seems like I come under attack. Why? Because he knows the word is growing on the inside of you. It's taking root. And if he doesn't get it, if he can't stop it, if he can't get you to abort it or to miscarry it or to damage it, then he knows you will do destruction to his kingdom. He knows that you'll win souls. He knows that you'll share the gospel. He knows that he will lose because God has declared you victorious over him and so he fights against it with everything that he has see if he can't abort it at conception before it takes root in your heart he will seek to cause you to miscarry if that doesn't work and the life is formed and delivered he will seek to destroy it and to kill it just like we read in Matthew chapter 2 Jesus was born in Herod tried to kill it killed everybody hoping he would kill the one that would take away his throne that's what the devil is doing he's the God of this world he doesn't want to be dethroned he's been in control of your life he doesn't want to give up control are you doing alright I know I feel like I'm preaching to the choir this morning but every now and then the choir needs to get saved Amen. See, throughout the ministry of Christ, they plotted to kill and destroy him. Why were they mad at Jesus? Why was everybody against Jesus? Because he was proclaiming the word of God. People were listening to the word that he was preaching. It was challenging the religion of that day. And the devil has perfected religion. The strongest spirit that you have to fight against is a religious spirit. Amen. This is why he wants you to buy into a deathless Christianity 
with no real change and no true renewal. This buying to a Christianity tells you you're fine, your way you are, that God loves you just like you are. It's true. He loves you and he died for you, but not to leave you the way you are. Jesus didn't die for us to stay the way we are and be loved by God. He died so we could be changed from what we are and live in the glory of God. Somebody shout amen. God wants us to live in the glory of his life. Think about it. This is why the minute you come in contact with the word of life, you come under attack from the devil. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Mark 4, 17, that immediately the enemy comes to steal the word. That persecution and affliction, when it says, when persecution and affliction arise for the word's sake. See what we do, we take it personal. The attack is never against you. The attack of the devil is never against you. It's against the seed that's in you. Because you have no authority over him. But if you as good ground receive the word, you are transformed. And it is the word growing out of you that threatens him. Not you, but the word of God. So persecution and affliction arise for what? The word's sake. Can you say amen? So if I, if I understand that, then we win. See, today, you'll be checked at the door for life. I believe that's what the devil does. I believe that we, we have greeters coming in. I believe the devil has greeters going out. And he checks you for life. Did you get any, did you come in? Was life planted in you? Do you have life growing in you? And if he, and if he, if he identifies life, then he gives you attention. If people go out with no life, he goes, go ahead. Go ahead, have fun. You're no threat. You're no threat. You're no threat. But if he checks life, if he identifies life, he goes, oh, I need to pay some attention there. Amen. My pastor always said it like this. Every decision you make for God will be tested. When you say yes to the word of God, it begins to grow. Then the test comes. The worship team comes back. See, there's nothing in the nature of God that could help us except love. When it comes to our redemption, he had to become like us to help us. We need to believe that. Jesus had to become like us to help us. He couldn't stay the way he was. He had to become like us. And by becoming like us, it empowers us to become like him. Are you with me? See, God so loved the world that he became. We have to become like him to receive the life he has for us. He could not stay as he was and deliver us or save us. Look, he who was rich, 2 Corinthians 8, became poor. That we, through his poverty, might be made rich. He gave up what he was allowed himself to be changed from what he was so that we could become like he was. Are you with me? He did it so we could become like he was. That's why he said in John 17, he prayed an amazing prayer. He said, Father, I've come and I've done your will. Now glorify me with the glory that I had with you in the beginning. And so he gave up the glory that he had with the Father to be made flesh, to become as we are, to take 
every weight of our sin and our brokenness and our failure upon himself to become our sin. He came to become sin for us. And by becoming what we are and taking what we are, he opened the door for us to become what he is. And so he says, Father, now glorify me. And so God has now exalted him, Philippians 2, and given him a name. He's seated by the right hand of the Father. And Paul goes on and boldly declare that if you're in Christ, you're now with him. You share in his glory. And the devil wants you to think of yourself in your old state with an old mindset that you're just an old sinner. You're all messed up. You can't get anything right. No, no, I'm a carrier of life. The life of God is I'm pregnant. I love what Mark Filkey said. He said, I'm pregnant and I know who the Father is. God. Word is on the inside of me. His word and my faith have come together. I have conceived life. The life of God dwells on the inside of me. It's growing. My job is to get you to believe in God's life. To believe. To hunger to see it come forth. When you're dealing with those old things. Wait a minute. Instead of operating out of my own man. Wait. There's a new man that I need to get placed to. That's why Paul says walk in the spirit. Live in the spirit. Be led by the spirit. Amen. And life comes forth. Hallelujah. So, we become like Him. He could not stay as He was and deliver or save us. We cannot say as we are and be saved. We need a resurrection. Think about it. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Galatians 6. See, by faith. Look at transformation. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but a new creation. That's what God has for you and me. Think about it. So, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? The power of His death and resurrection. His death offers to you and I resurrected life. The gospel is life after death. New life in Christ. Being born again. Why? Because what's the big deal? You are. And the devil knows it. Stand with me this morning. You're the big deal. And the devil knows it. You're the reason Jesus changed. Say it with me again. Everything is subject to change. Say it again. Everything is subject to change. Say this with me. I am a carrier of the life of God. His life is alive in me. My faith has received His word. I believe I'm born again. There's an incorruptible seed living inside of me. Producing the life of God. My old man is passing away. Everything about my life is becoming new. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who lives in me, dwells in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory abides in me and I abide in him I allow his word 
to dwell in my heart richly, fully. I am an overcomer because of the life of God is growing and producing 30, 60, and 100 fold in my life. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm not afraid to die. I choose to live a new life in Christ, in Jesus' name. If you believe that, give God a great praise this morning. Come on, that's what the Word of God says about you. You're surrounded by lies daily. The enemy fights against you. He wants to abort the life of God. Quit agreeing with the fake news. Amen. The devil is a a, a propagator of fake news. He is a liar. He cannot speak the truth. Everything in this world is a lie. The only thing is the truth. Why is the Word of God the big deal? This is the big deal. You need to be hungry for the Word. You need to be under the Word. People today, come on, you need to be in church on Tuesday night. You need to be listening to tape. You need to be hearing the Word of God. You need to be reading the Word of God. This is the big deal. This is your life. Amen. Need to stir up that hunger. Father, today we stand on your word. If you need prayer for anything, I have an altar call. If you need prayer for anything, move right now in Jesus' name. That's my altar call. Hallelujah. You need prayer for anything, move right now. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. Why? Because the word says, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Amen? Here's what happens. Why? Why don't you pray for people? Because you don't believe in the life that's on the inside of you. 